0: part four section three of the freedom of the will by jonathan edwards this librivox recording is in the public domain the reasons why some think it contrary to common sense to suppose those things which are necessary to be worthy of either praise or blame it is abundantly affirmed and urged by armenian writers that it is contrary to common sense and the natural notions and apprehensions of mankind to suppose otherwise than that necessity making no distinction between natural and moral necessity is inconsistent with virtue and vice praise and blame reward and punishment and their arguments from hence have been greatly triumphed in and have been not a little perplexing to many who have been friendly to the truth as clearly revealed in the holy scriptures it has seemed to them indeed difficult to reconcile calvinistic doctrines with the notions men commonly have of justice and equity the true reasons of it seem to be the following one it is indeed a very plain dictate of common sense that natural necessity is wholly inconsistent with just praise or blame if men do things which in themselves are very good fit to be brought to pass and attended with very happy effects properly against their wills or do them from a necessity that is without their wills or with which their wills have no concern or connection then it is a plain dictate of common sense that such doings are none of their virtue nor have they any moral good in them and that the persons are not worthy to be rewarded or praised or at all esteemed honoured or loved on that account and on the other hand that if from like necessity they do those things which in themselves are very unhappy and pernicious and do them because they cannot help it the necessity is such that it is all one whether they will them or no and the reason why they are done is from necessity only and not from their wills it is a very plain dictate of common sense that they are not at all to blame there is no vice fault or moral evil at all in the effect done nor are they who are thus necessitated in any wise worthy to be punished hated or in the least disrespected on that account in like manner if things in themselves good and desirable are absolutely impossible with a natural impossibility the universal reason of mankind teaches that this wholly and perfectly excuses persons in their not doing them and it is also a plain dictate of common sense that if doing things in themselves good or avoiding things in themselves evil is not absolutely impossible with such a natural impossibility but very difficult with a natural difficulty that is a difficulty prior to and not at all consisting in will and inclination itself and which would remain the same let the inclination be what it will then a person's neglect or omission is excused in some measure though not wholly. his sin is less aggravated than if the thing to be done were easy and if instead of difficulty and hindrance there be a contrary natural propensity in the state of things to the thing to be done or effect to be brought to pass abstracted from any consideration of the inclination of the heart though the propensity be not so great as to amount to a natural necessity yet being some approach to it so that the doing of the good thing be very much from this natural tendency in the state of things and but little from a good inclination then it is a dictate of common sense that there is so much the less virtue in what is done and so it is less praiseworthy and rewardable the reason is easy viz., because such a natural propensity or tendency is an approach to natural necessity and the greater the propensity still so much the nearer is the approach to necessity and therefore as natural necessity takes away or shuts out all virtue so this propensity approaches to an abolition of virtue that is it diminishes it and on the other hand natural difficulty in the state of things is an approach to natural impossibility and as the latter when it is complete and absolute wholly takes away blame so much difficulty takes away some blame or diminishes blame and makes the thing done to be less worthy of punishment Two men in their first use of such phrases as these must cannot cannot help it cannot avoid it necessary unable impossible unavoidable irresistible etc use them to signify a necessity of constraint or restraint a natural necessity or impossibility or some necessity that the will has nothing to do in which may be whether men will or no and which may be supposed to be just the same let men's inclinations and desires be what they will such kind of terms in their original use i suppose among all nations are relative Carrying in their signification as was before observed a reference or respect to some contrary will desire or endeavour which it is supposed is or may be in the case all men find and begin to find in early childhood that there are innumerable things that cannot be done which they desire to do and innumerable things which they are averse to that must be they cannot avoid them they will be whether they choose them or no it is to express this necessity which men so soon and so often find and which so greatly and early affects them in innumerable cases that such terms and phrases are first formed and it is to signify such a necessity that they are first used and that they are most constantly used in the common affairs of life and not to signify any such metaphysical speculative and abstract notion as that connection in the nature or course of things which is between the subject and predicative of a proposition and which is the foundation of the certain truth of that proposition to signify which they who employ themselves in philosophical inquiries into the first origin and metaphysical relations and dependences of things have borrowed these terms for want of others but we grow up from our cradles in the use of terms and phrases entirely different from this and carrying a sense of exceeding diverse from that in which they are commonly used in the controversy between armenians and calvinists and it being as was said before a dictate of the universal sense of mankind evident to us as soon as we begin to think that the necessity signified by these terms in the sense in which we first learn them does excuse persons and free them from all fault or blame hence our ideas of excusableness or faultlessness is tied to these terms and phrases by a strong habit which is begun in childhood as soon as we begin to speak and grows up with us and is strengthened by constant use and custom the connection growing stronger and stronger the habitual connection which is in men's minds between blamelessness and those aforementioned terms must cannot unable necessary impossible unavoidable etc becomes very strong because as soon as ever men begin to use reason and speech they have occasion to excuse themselves from the natural necessity signified by these terms in numerous instances I cannot do it i could not help it and all mankind have constant and daily occasion to use such phrases in this sense to excuse themselves and others in almost all the concerns of life with respect to disappointments and things that happen which concern and affect ourselves and others that are hurtful or disagreeable to us or them or things desirable that we or others fail to obtain that are being accustomed to an union of different ideas from early childhood makes the habitual connection exceeding strong, as though such connection were owing to nature is manifest in innumerable instances. It is altogether by such an habitual connection of ideas that men judge of the bigness or distance of the objects of sight from their appearance, thus it is owing to such a connection early established, and growing up with a person that he judges a mountain which he sees at ten miles distance to be bigger than his nose or further off than the end of it having been used so long to join a considerable distance and magnitude with such an appearance men imagine it is by a dictate of natural sense whereas it would be quite otherwise with one that had his eyes newly opened who had been born blind he would have the same visible appearance but natural sense would dictate no such thing concerning the magnitude or distance of what appeared Three, when men after they had been so habituated to connect ideas of innocency or blamelessness with such terms that the union seems to be the effect of mere nature come to hear the same terms used and learn to use them in the aforementioned new and metaphysical sense to signify quite another sort of necessity which has no such kind of relation to a contrary supposable will and endeavour the notion of plain and manifest blamelessness by this means is by a strong prejudice insensibly and unwarily transferred to a case to which it by no means belongs The change of the use of the terms to a signification which is very diverse not being taken notice of or adverted to and there are several reasons why it is not one the terms as used by philosophers are not very distinct and clear in their meaning few use them in a fixed determinate sense on the contrary their meaning is very vague and confused which commonly happens to the words used to signify things intellectual and moral and to express what mr Locke calls mixed modes if men had a clear and distinct understanding of what is intended by these metaphysical terms they would be able more easily to compare them with their original and common sense and so would not be easily led into delusion by words of this sort to the change of the signification of terms is the more insensible because the things signified though indeed very different yet do in some generals agree in necessity that which is vulgarly so called there is a strong connection between the thing said To be necessary and something antecedent to it in the order of nature so there is also a philosophical necessity and though in both kinds of necessity the connection cannot be called by that name with relation to an opposite will or endeavour to which it is superior which is the case in vulgar necessity yet in both the connection is prior to will and endeavour and so in some respects superior in both kinds of necessity there is a foundation for some certainty of the proposition that affirms the event the terms used being the same and the things signified agreeing in these and some other general circumstances and the expressions as used by philosophers being not well defined and so of obscure and loose signification hence persons are not aware of the great difference the notions of innocence or faultiness which were so strongly associated with them and were strictly united in their minds ever since they can remember remain united with them still as if the union were altogether natural and necessary and they that go about to make a separation seem to them to do great violence even to nature itself for another reason why it appears difficult to reconcile it with reason that men should be blamed for that which is necessary with a moral necessity which as was observed before is a species of philosophical necessity is that for want of due consideration men inwardly entertain that apprehension that this necessity may be against men's wills and sincere endeavours they go away with that notion that men may truly will and wish and strive that it may be otherwise but that invincible necessity stands in the way and many think thus concerning themselves some wicked men think they wish that they were good and that they love god and holiness but yet do not find that their wishes produce the effect the reasons why men think thus are as follows when they find what may be called an indirect willingness to have a better will in the manner before observed for it is impossible and a contradiction to suppose the will to be directly and properly against itself and they do not consider that this indirect willingness is entirely a different thing from properly willing what is the duty and virtue required and that there is no virtue in that sort of willingness which they have they do not consider that the volitions which a wicked man may have that he loved god are no acts of the will at all against the moral evil of not loving god but only some disagreeable consequences but the making of the requisite distinction requires more care of reflection and thought than most men are used to and men through a prejudice in their own favour are disposed to think well of their own desires and dispositions and to account them good and virtuous though their respect to virtue be only indirect and remote and it is nothing at all virtuous that truly excites or terminates their inclinations to another thing that insensibly leads and beguiles men into a supposition that this moral necessity or impossibility is or may be against men's wills and true endeavours is the derivation of the terms often used to express it such words for instance as unable unavoidable impossible irresistible which carry a plain reference to a supposable power exerted endeavours used resistance made in opposition to the necessity and the persons that hear them not considering nor suspecting but that they are used in their proper sense that sense being therefore understood there does naturally and as it were necessarily arise in their minds a supposition that it may be so indeed that true desires and endeavours may take place but that invincible necessity stands in the way and renders them vain and to no effect five another thing which makes persons more ready to suppose it to be contrary to reason that men should be exposed to the punishments threatened to sin for doing those things which are morally necessary or not doing those things which are morally impossible is that imagination strengthens the argument and adds greatly to the power and influence of the seeming reasons against it from the greatness of that punishment to allow that they may be justly exposed to a small punishment would not be so difficult whereas if there were any good reason in the case if it were truly a dictative reason that such necessity was inconsistent with faultiness or just punishment the demonstration would be equally certain with respect to a small punishment or any punishment at all as a very great one but it is not equally easy to the imagination they that argue against the justice of damning men for those things that are thus necessary seem to make their argument the stronger by setting forth the greatness of the punishment in strong expressions that a man should be cast into eternal burnings that he should be made to fry in hell to all eternity for those things which he had no power to avoid and was under a fatal unfrustrable invincible necessity of doing etc part four section three